Hi, this is John, and today on Theocast, we talk about how to disagree agreeably. There seems to be drawing of lines in all areas of theology and even politics, and Christians seem to get really upset and don't know how to disagree, and when they do get behind the keyboard or a phone, they seem to lose something called the fruits of the Spirit. Jimmy and I have a lively conversation about theological disagreements between different denominations. That also leads into the members podcast where we discuss politics and Christians and disagreement. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey guys, as a quick reminder, if you'd like to join Theocast and helping other people find rest in Christ, a simple way of doing that is simply by leaving us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also leave reviews on all of our books. They're available at amazon.com. And if you haven't started following us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook yet, that's a great way to take our content and then share it with your friends and family. To learn more about how to support Theocast, simply visit theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. Your hosts today are Jimmy Bueller, pastor of Christ Community Church in Wilmer, Minnesota, and I'm John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reformed Church here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Before I let you go, Jimmy, I just found out that one of my new church members uh, actually grew up not far from Wilmer and used to go to Wilmer all the time for different school activities. Wow. So she she was so happy to come and tell me on church on Sunday. She was like, oh, I used to live near where Jimmy was at. So anyways. Funny. Total side. Small, total small side. world, as they like right. to say. Right. The, the cliche. So Jimmy, dude, it's been a while. It has. Give the people what they want. How are yeah. you and what are you for and against? Yeah, well, it's good to be back on the mic with you, John, although we are missing JP, our beloved JP. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, right. So obviously, I haven't been on Theocast in a while. We are back in school here in Minnesota, and so my schedule is just kind of erratic. It's good compared to last spring when everything was just kind of shut down. It's it's good mm. to be back in, in, a, in a somewhat regular and I know normal is like the new naughty word. We're not allowed to say normal anymore, <laughs> but like a new uh, normal schedule. Uh, right. So it's it's been good to see students again and have my kids in school and and be doing some of those things. Although that just kind of leaves a hole of trying to schedule a time between us three to sit down. So it worked out for you and I to sit down this right. afternoon. Normally we're in the morning, but we're in the afternoon. But man, since I've been gone, I've just really been thinking of some things uh, of like how to ostracize people and how to make people upset <laughs> in my pro-con decisions. I've been dropping some bombs on Twitter and uh, I mean, people are opinionated. Uh, people are really Wait. passionate about particular things I'm learning. Your bombs are opinionated. What are you talking about? Listen. Chocolate and peanut butter? Meh. What's your problem? Okay. I only, I only speak facts. So <laughs> this is me speaking the truth in love. So I, I said this one on Twitter a few weeks back and it got a lot of traction. And so I thought by way of sharing uh, with our listeners, uh, first of all, remember our conversation about M&Ms where we were talking about M&Ms? Oh, yeah. Man, I had, a lot of I had so many people like talk <laughs> talk to me about that. So many listeners in our area that were talking to me about M&Ms. So much so that I was preaching at a church. There is a Christian Reformed Church. That's a CRC. It's a denomination here in Minnesota. They have a, an evening service and they're without a pastor. And so I was 
preaching at their Sunday evening services. And my last Sunday there, I was with them for a couple months. I walk up to the pulpit and there's a giant bag of regular <laughs> M&Ms. <laughs> That's awesome. So I was really offended and I threw that. No, I didn't. It was great. It was funny. So, all right, here's my pro con. Uh, we are approaching Halloween where people are giving out candy by the time we record this. I'm not sure when it will be released. But when it comes to candy bars, I think you know what I'm going to say. Oh, boy. When it comes to candy bars, I am pro Almond Joy. I yeah. love Almond Joys. I just think it's the right amount of sweet. It's got the nuttiness from the almond. It's got the, the coconut nonsense or whatever going on in the middle. I am pro Almond Joy, and I am con just about every other candy bar. No, I just I just don't. Snickers, meh. Reese's, meh. I know. I, I just, half of you stopped listening. So if you're still <laughs> with me, I just, the rest of candy, they're just too sweet and they're too rich. And mm. I don't know. They just make my stomach hurt. But that's just, it, I don't know. Can you actually call an Almond Joy? Is it more like a chocolate candy? No, it's candy a candy bar. bar. It's a, I, I mean, so. if you go to the, the candy, candy bar, bar aisle, section, it's, yeah. it's going to be there. And as it should, because it's far superior. So I blew some some minds on social media, apparently. I took, I don't like s'mores. I think it's a whole lot of work. It's a lot of mess, and it really doesn't take that great. So wow. What, wow. I know. I've never been a s'mores fan. I don't like s'more ice cream. I don't even like Rocky Road. I think oh, it's Oh, yeah, disgusting. I'm with you there. Yeah, that is gross. Rocky Road, you know, I should have saved this for my pro con, but it has to be the worst ice cream ever invented. I agree. I'm going to say that right now. I approve. It's disgusting. I approve. <laughs> so what I do is that when we do s'mores at our house, I make sure there's Reese's peanut butter cups. And all I do is I take a nicely brown roasted marshmallow, just one. I do, for the whole night, I do one marshmallow and one cup, put them together, and it's amazing. If you haven't done it, yeah, you try it. I mean, I can, I can see that. No uh, graham crackers. No graham crackers. That's just... Maybe that. maybe what I'll do is I'll make a s'mores, but I'll use almond joys. I think that would be <laughs> oh, bro, take a a nicely brown mar yeah marshmallow and put that on. Yeah, I'd do that. See, I'm See? down with that. <laughs> so all of you haters out there that are, you think Reese's are like, you know, the second coming of Christ equivalent. I mean, I just it is. I can't. It is the second coming of Christ. No, it's it's just not. It's but see, not. I'm okay. I'm okay with you having your opinion. So I think we can disagree agreeably. I disagree with that <laughs> just by just because, well, there you go, John. So what are we, what are we talking about? Today? That was a perfect transition. It was. I, I like that it. transition. It was good. Well, today we're going to talk about something that, uh, through the history of Theocast, this is something we have learned, uh, as we have grown as a podcast and we've uh, brought different hosts on is that our podcast obviously is one that we talk a lot about what we disagree about and things that we point out that we think is wrong. And, you know, one of the things that Jimmy and I were discussing before we come on the podcast is this is kind of a lost art on how to yeah. disagree with someone agreeably, especially when someone gets behind the keyboard or behind their phone, um, they dehumanize the discussion and they will say and do things that you would never do in person. And they even would take up arguments or positions that probably they don't hold, but they want to make a point so bad and they want to be right. So, you know, they, they desire to be right, that they end up doing things that I read comments of. I've even seen comments from people I know personally, and I'm going, you would never say that in person. Right. Like, I know you. 
Yeah. And so one of the things we wanted to talk about is, um, you know, how, uh, where, do, where, where we, Jimmy and I disagree with a broader evangelicalism, how we, how we, it is that we can agree with them, even though we disagree, like find some agreeableness around theology. And then we're going to talk a little bit about where we have struggle, where some people, there are points that really bother us and those tend to turn up the heat on us a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And yeah, so uh, I, Jimmy, start us off with just kind of the, you know, broadly speaking, we partner with a lot of people. We disagree with them and I think we do it agreeably, but what is it that kind of centers us? And then where, where do we find ourselves in certain areas saying, yeah, we wouldn't agree on those conclusions? Yeah, I, that's super helpful. So actually right now in my world religions class, we're walking through uh, Christianity, uh, even though I teach at a Christian school. I never want to assume that the vast majority of my students understand kind of the basic things of the Christian faith. Yeah. And so we're walking through core tenets of Christianity right now, and this is a conversation that we're having. And so I wrote in really large letters on my whiteboard, I wrote the word nuance. And mm. something that social media has done is it's uh, it's it's kind of removed our ability to have a nuanced conversation That's that good. we've lost that art. We've lost the art of having a conversation with somebody in a way that's kind and generous and gracious. Um, I was just texting with some friends the other day and we were, I mean, we were just talking about the ninth commandment. <laughs> uh, don't bear false witness. And often in a conversation, what we do is that's all we do. Mm-hmm. We, all we do is break the ninth commandment and we just, we bear false witness and we, uh, it's like we begin the conversation with the goal to obliterate our opponent rather than to reach mutual understanding. That's right. And when our goal is to merely obliterate our opponent, one, we're not seeking to understand those who have been created in the image of God and give them the dignity and respect that, that we should as people. Um, and two, we're, we're, again, we're bearing false witness. We're not understanding them on their terms. Mm-hmm. And so as we think about just us, I mean, John, we've had, you and I have had some passionate conversations mm-hmm. uh, on the phone. Uh, I think specifically on your porch, we, whenever <laughs> we're together, it's like we just sandbag everything until we get together and, and then we let it all out. But yeah. the thing is, is what, what centers my relationship with John Moffat and what centers my relationship with Justin Perdue, even though we are three pastors at three churches that are similar, but not the same. Mm-hmm. What centers us is the gospel. That's right. And I know that at John's church, he and his elders preach Christ and Christ crucified from all of the scriptures. They're seeking to help their people find rest in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And I know this is the same for Justin. And I believe that these guys say the same thing for me. Now, our worship at all three of our churches, it looks different. We have different convictions of how things go about. But at the end of the day, this is why we can partner with people. I'm just going to name a few guys like Chad Bird. Chad's a, a Lutheran. <laughs> and, and certainly, right. Chad and I, doc, doctrinally, we, we disagree on some things. And yet, I know and I trust that at the end of the day, Chad can preach a gospel of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. And really, that is kind of the the center of what grounds us, what holds us together. I think even 
something as ecumenical as reciting the Apostles' Creed, that these are the truths that the Christian church has recited throughout centuries. And and if we can recite these and believe these and trust these wholeheartedly, then you know we can jive together. But yeah. that's where I would begin, is, is really yeah. the gospel. Absolutely. Now, I think that's good that you mentioned the Apostles' Creed because it does create so much unity within, um, if, if we're talking about those to whom we are going to partner with, a Theocast, you know, we have partnered and we have had on our podcast uh, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Baptists, uh, non-denomination. You know, we've had a, a good broad perspective of people that are on here. Uh, the three of us are 1689 confessionally reformed. This is the conviction that we hold to. But one of the conversations that I wanted to have is that Within Christianity, one of the issues that really bothers me is that we we get so concerned on what I would say are the second level or even third level issues, and we begin to argue and fight about them. And denominations get really heated, and there's these ongoing conversations. And we have people who are not understanding the gospel, who don't understand assurance. Justification has been lost in the wind. And it breaks my heart because where I, I, I have strong convictions and disagreements with, um, you know, a lot of different denominations, but we have to, we have to remember what is the primary mission and goal of Christians. And it's the advancement of the gospel. And if I can partner with people that I know are preaching a true and pure gospel, they are leading people to truly rest in Jesus Christ and him alone, that they are not placing the law and burden on people. They are separating the law from the gospel, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And on these secondary issues of how the function of the church and eschatology and even modes of baptism, um, I may never serve in their church and they may never serve in mine, but I have no problems promoting their message That's and right. encouraging them to continue what they're doing because the gospel message is going forward. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the Baptists are the only ones who got it right. <laughs> That's right. And I know some denominations have really strong opinions on that. Um, and this, really what this conversation is about is, I think Christianity has lost its way. And I'm not saying, oh, we should all be one denomination. That's no, right. I think denominations are helpful. Sure. And I think people have convictions and conclusions about the Bible, and I think they should hold to those. Yeah. But the reason why Theocast is not going to ever isolate ourselves is because we think there are good men and good ministries doing good work, and we should partner with them and promote them and make sure that work continues because more people are going to rest in Christ if that is true. Yeah. So um, something that you just said, I, I, I kind of want to summarize a couple of things that you just said. So certainly, when we talk about Scripture, we talk about the Gospel, we want to be mindful of clarity. We want to be clear. We want to be clear about the things that we mean, the things that we're teaching. And whenever we're chasing after clarity, that necessarily means that we're going to create some categories. That's right. And whenever we necessarily create categories, that is where we begin to draw some distinctions. And so don't hear us say, as you just said, that we're we're aiming for just one big lovey-dovey um, denomination. <laughs> right now, when we recite the Apostles' Creed, what do, what do we say that we believe? We we say we believe in the Holy Catholic, that is the Universal Church. That's right. And so, certainly, we want to aim for Catholicity, meaning we keep in mind the Universal Church. We want to be in partnership for the gospel moving forth, 
uh, to all nations, to every tribe, tongue, language, nation. However, when we create these categories or when we see clarity, we have categories, we, we create distinctions. And there is a difference, and here comes nuance. There's a difference in my mind between distinction and division. That's right. Distinction That's allows me to be defined by categories and through the process of clarity and seeking clarity from my Lutheran brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. There's a distinction. However, that doesn't mean that I have to be divided from them. That's right. And we live in such a binary time where you're either Democrat or you're Republican. You're either right or you're left. You're either conservative or liberal. You're either this or that. That, again, we've lost this ability to have nuanced, helpful, generous conversation. And so do I have distinctions from Lutherans? Do I have distinctions from Anglicans? Do I have distinctions from Presbyterians and so on and so forth? Well, absolutely. And they would say the same things about me and one another. But do I have to be divided with them? No, I, I don't think that that's actually very helpful. No. No, I think that's a very, very helpful um, way of, I, I like the distinction versus uh, division. I think that's, or even divisive. Right. One of the things that, <clears throat> that um, I experienced growing up in the denomination that I was in, and I still see it today, is that we, we create wrong dividing lines where we, um, you know, J- Jimmy and I, you would agree that there are uh, Baptists, Presbyterians, Anglicans, and Lutherans that were like, I don't even know if you're evangelical. Yeah. And they're just like, whoa. Right. Yeah. You know? And we are going to drop the hammer of division going, no, no, you miss, you miss the gospel and you, you are denying, sure. you're denying where, where Christ where the Bible says this is clear sin, you're saying it's not, that's, that's not evangelical. We, we can't, we're going to have to divide over that. Yeah. And this is where quite people come in and ask, okay, where does the dividing line happens? And at what point do you drop the hammer? Hmm. And I would say there is primary doctrines where this is where Theocast and Jamie and I have no problems partnering with, as long as we can agree on these primary doctrines. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about uh, the doctrine of God, the, the doctrine of justification, uh, the doctrine of depravity. These are the these are doctrines that we believe that if you remove one of these primary doctrines, you know the eternality of Christ, um, the Trinity. You remove mm-hmm. these, you actually are messing with the gospel at this point. Yeah, inerrancy so, of Scripture, so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. So we have to be very careful on these primary doctrines, um, where where we we look at them and say, okay, we we agree. We may even explain them a little bit different. We may even have different language, but we're all coming to the same conclusion. Yeah. Um, we're not going to really divide over, um, and I, we might say certain ministries are more helpful than others. Some more, yeah. more clarifying than others. So yeah. not just because we agree on the primaries, are we going to say they're clear on all other areas, which part of Theocast, <laughs> we would say there's a lot of evangelicals out there that we disagree with and we think aren't unhelpful, which is kind of where I'm going next. But there are secondary and third issues. Like for instance, if Jimmy has a man in his church that desires to be an elder, but there are some massive disagreements on, let's say, um, the function and role of an elder, or mm-hmm. even um, women in ministry. Or, I mean, there's there's some there is some where there would there would be very hard for the church to get unified between Jimmy and its and separate elder who are leading the church in two opposite directions. Sure. And we're not talking about you know small opinions on well, I like guitar and I like piano. <laughs> we're talking about massive understandings of how the gospel ministry goes forward 
on on a personal level, on a church level, those become a little bit more important because we need to have as much unity as we can when it comes down to a local body. This is why there are denominations and people look at scripture and they do their best to interpret scripture and they find themselves leaning towards a denomination that they think has the best interpretation and that creates unity. So we're I'm at Theocast, we're not anti-denomination here. I think it's, you know, some people are like, oh, all denominations are bad. And in a sinful world, I think they're, I think they're necessary. Sure. Um, but where I, where I want to go next is that where Jimmy and I and Justin, one of the struggles that we have is that even in this primary doctrine, this first level, right? One of the problems that's happening in today's world is that that primary issue, that primary doctrine of justification, the doctrine of God, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity, the nature of God, all of this um, is becoming questionable in how people are presenting these doctrines. And I would say they're being careless Mm. and um, they're not using uh, historical theology to help govern them, which is why we're big fans of confessional theology. Yeah. A good example of this um, is final justification, that doctrine that's come to be kind of plaguing all kinds of denominations right now, is a good example of a primary doctrine where they aren't necessarily fully heretics teaching it, but they are being very careless in what they are presenting. We're excited to announce that we have a new free ebook available at our website called Faith versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And we, the host, put this together to explain the difference between emphasizing one's faith in Christ versus emphasizing one's faithfulness to Christ, and how one leads to rest and how the other often to a lack of assurance. And you can get this at theocast.org slash primer. And if you've been encouraged by what you've been hearing at Theocast, We'd ask you to help partner with us. You can do that by joining our Total Access membership. That's our monthly membership that gives you access to all of our material that we've produced over the last four years, or simply by donating to our ministry. You can do that by going to our website, theocast.org. We hope that you enjoy the rest of the conversation. Yeah, and a lot of times where a lot of these things happen, to go back to clarity, categories, distinction, is that these distinctions, and I would say even these categories, get collapsed into one another. Yeah. Where we do see a kind of collapse of the doctrine of the Trinity, an understanding of the the one essence of God, the distinction and role and function, and yet we kind of collapse all of these things. And if we're not mm-hmm. careful, I mean, where were most of the heresies in the early church? What were they around? Well, they were around— Trinity. Yeah, the Doctor Trinity or, you know, Christological heresies. And yeah. so, you know, we're, we're just recycling old heresies uh, to, <laughs> to, use, to use that language. Uh, but again, when, when, particularly when it comes to gospel, I mean, if we're, if we're thinking about what's the most important question that a person can ask in their life, which is most likely, how can I be saved? Mm-hmm. We want to be able to give them a very clear and assuring and comforting answer. That's right. That we find this good news of the gospel that, you know, this is what I'm preaching on this week in my church, 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus Christ has died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was a, an historical person and that he rose from the dead for our justification and that 
there were witnesses, actual eyewitnesses to, to this truth. And when we begin to take the gospel, and as you said, John, we, we begin to become reckless or muddy with it, where we are no longer giving a clear approach to how it is that people can find rest in Christ. We can no longer find what it means to be forgiven of our sin. This is when you start to see the guys at Theocast and many others become really fiery because, I mean, I can just speak for myself of the damage that it really does to people, mm-hmm. the damage that it can do to an individual who, even though they might have the Jesus fish on their car, are just inwardly tortured by their own sin because the gospel has never been truly explained to them. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we, that's where I personally get really fiery. And, you know, I always find it interesting that the people who kind of get on my case for being in their language divisive over stuff like this are the same people who have no problem changing churches because they don't like the worship style. <laughs> so, right. or children's ministry. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, we need to have a conversation about primary and secondary doctrines. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I don't know if you want to speak into that as well, John. I do. I do. Uh, this is where, uh, you know, the longer people listen to Theocast, they, they start picking up what, what really does become most important. Um, you know, I, I think Christianity needs to be working more and more and more on clarifying the gospel and bringing greater, greater amount of clarity because the clearer Christ is to the believer, the more they can rest yeah. and the more joy they can find. But instead, I feel like a lot of what Christianity is built around is building bridges to sell righteousness. Mm-hmm. And we tend to push Christology and, uh, the, uh, the gospel to the, okay, yeah, but that's what God has said. We really need to get down to the crux of what's going on here. And, and we begin to mold and, and, and mix in together justification, the way in which our standing is before God and sanctification, that which God uses to transform us into his image. And those get pressed in together. And uh, this is, this, uh, I just, I just want to make an, an example here is that I love guys like Michael Horton, and um, I love our Lutheran brothers who understand the role of justification, sanctification, the law and the gospel, and yeah. they keep those things separate and they press in sola fide into the believer. Uh, that is someone that I absolutely want to read, listen, and be shepherded to, and encourage people to listen to and be shepherded by because they are making primary the gospel. And all of these other areas, they do become secondary. Where where my struggle is to go back with what Jimmy is at is that sometimes we draw lines and disagreements and we begin to call people heretics and it's unbelievable the things that'll be said and and it's just pure old school fundamentalism that's all it is like if that's you right. don't agree with me on every single point on every single doctrine I can not only not promote you I cannot recommend you but I will not and they call it sharing the platform I'm not going to give you a platform in my or with my people yeah and it it is so inclusive and divisive that it is confusing that every every doctrine becomes a primary doctrine right? right everything becomes an issue and 
I've seen this. I've seen this in the Presbyterian world. I've seen it in the 1689 world where the, the, the most ridiculous doctrines that should never make it to a primary level, Christians are fighting over, dividing over, will not associate, won't even talk with each other because there's a disagreement on a particular doctrine that has, has, has is not a primary and it's never been a primary in the history of the church. And yeah. so I think we have to be we have to be careful in making sure that we look at what Scripture creates as a primary, and mm. and 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 Scripture says, "Man, if you disagree with this, and you're standing before God as in question." Yeah, and realizing that something, for instance, do you have services on Sunday morning and Sunday night? Maybe mm. not, but I've I've seen people being called liberal heretics because they yeah. don't have church on Sunday oh, night, yeah. and I'm just like, "Are you? Have you?" Have you lost your mind? Yeah. Have y'all lost your ever-loving minds? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I haven't haven't said that one in a while. It's a a good one. No, I I think— Or or varying views on the Sabbath is a great one. You know, uh, Sabbatarianism is another one that I I see a lot of people fighting over, and it's it's disheartening. Well, if everything is a primary doctrine, then nothing is a primary doctrine. You know what I'm saying? So if if everything is is primary and central to the justification of the believer, then nothing is. Because— in fact, we're we're just we're just kind of muddying, you know, what it is. And so I just want to throw this out there that praise be to the name of God <laughs> that we are not saved by right doctrine. Mm. Right? Praise be to Jesus Christ that we are not saved by perfect doctrine. Because frankly, to think that we have perfect airtight theology is is rather arrogant. And I've been guilty of this. Yeah. And so I think this is what should drive us as we interact with people that we disagree with is not this this obstinate desire to be correct, but rather a spirit of humility and gentleness and respect and also understanding. Um, I have a friend of mine that I really respect. He asked great questions and he said something to me a while back where it just it has kind of landed on me and impacted me where he's he said, when I approach a dispute or a conversation that is of a lively manner. He said, I've tried to shift to begin with, I'm just going to assume that I'm wrong or I'm going to assume that I'm misunderstanding. And he said that that has kind of helped him as he's interacted with different theologians and different people who who he would disagree with because it helps others to be humanized. And, And frankly, this is why this is why battles on Twitter and battles on Facebook are just so nonsensical because right. you can you can type something and walk away and not have to bear the consequences of body language and hurt feelings or whatever. It dehumanizes conversation. And frankly, it, it's it's why it's why we are so polarized today, not just not just theologically, but politically. It's because we've we dehumanize people. People just become subject of memes and whatever. And so <laughs> we, we have to be so careful that as we're talking about things, we hold tightly that which God has given us to hold tightly, which That's is right. Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of sins by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. And everything else, and, and when I say everything, <laughs> um, I know a lot of people are going to th- kind of throw up their hands, but when it comes to things outside of that, you know, when it co- when it comes to the things outside of what the church has confessed ecumenically throughout the centuries, the Athanasian Creed, the Nicene Creed, the the Apostles' Creed, I think we need to win back or take back what Paul 
urges us in 1 Corinthians 13 that has less to do with weddings and more to do with how we talk with one another. Mm-hmm. It's a spirit of love. It's a spirit of, I want to aim for unity. Like, what if when you approach conversation that had disagreement, your goal was unity, that's not right. to be right? That's right. I mean, without giving up conviction. That's right. I, I mean, because yeah, what I'm not saying is that, and you're not, you're not saying, Jimmy, you're not saying lay down conviction. No, unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Nope, they are not. That's absolutely true. And speak, I think one of the one of the things that's been lost is that. So we <clears throat> in Christianity, we talk a lot about being godly and holy and um, pursuing sanctification. What is interesting to me is that somehow the fruits of the Spirit and holiness are getting separated. Yeah, right. Godliness and the fruits of the Spirit don't go together. Yeah. Because we're talking about meekness and gentleness and humility, right? Yeah. And we're talking about being patient. These are all fruits of the Spirit. Godliness is patience. It's Mm. meekness. It's humility. It's preferring one another. And when we get into these theological discussions, patience, meekness, humility, and preference go out the window. That's right. And I, I've seen it. I've been in these discussions before and to, around certain topics. And I just have to sit back and say, what are we, what are we doing here? Because mm-hmm. you will hear arguments that are centered around, you know, you, we've all heard them when it's the Calvinism versus free will or paedo-baptist versus credo-baptist or, or different to not. And, and you start hearing arguments to get thrown out there and they go from, hey, we're having this gentle loving, brotherly conversation to saying things that are mean and hurtful and have no, there's no benefit in what was said or what was written. Absolutely right. And, and I, and I, one of the things that I think is lost is the art of discussion. Yeah. Like we're not oh, yeah. able to have meaningful dialogue without there being offense and saying things that are frankly offensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I like that you you talked about the fruit of the spirit and uh, just just last night at men's group, you know, one of the one of the guys in our group, he was emphasizing how the Christian life is extra nos. It, it's it's outside mm-hmm. of us. Like we receive the gospel outside of us, but but also, um, you know, Luther talks about this in the freedom of the Christian that that we also become extra nos as we as we walk with others. Mm-hmm. That we are freed by the gospel to love and serve our neighbors. Uh, generously. And even the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, tell me one of those that only benefits the individual. Yeah, yeah no. I'm going to be patient with myself. Yeah. You know, give yourself some patience. What? Who, who talks like that? Right? Self-control, maybe. But it's still Self, for the benefits of others. Self-control, maybe, but man, I mean, if you're married, self-control, that's really going to benefit your spouse. Trust that's, me. You know what I'm saying? That's right. that's so right. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I mean, even those, those are those are extra nos fruits mm-hmm. of the Spirit, that they're, they're outward focused. That's and right. it's not only that we receive the benefits and the goodness and the grace of the gospel extra nos outside of ourselves, but also we give it. That's right. We get not that we, you know, we become livers of the gospel. We don't live the gospel, right? We receive mm-hmm. it. But but rather we give the grace that has been given to us in Jesus and we give it freely to others. And I know other people are going to be like, "Well, you know, you're just a pietist now." And I'm like, "Okay. Well, I mean, whatever. <laughs> if that's pietism, then call me a pietist." 
That's yeah, not pietism. That's not because pietism. Piety is what that the, is. That's exactly. I mean, go. We've been walking through First Corinthians for a year. What's Paul's major concern in First Corinthians? One, the gospel. Two, unity. That's right. Unity and love in the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, these are extra nos realities. Love of God. As a matter of fact, right? I I think that is the majority of epistles. Oh, hands down, <laughs> hands down. Ephesians for sure. Colossians for sure. Peter, Second Peter. For sure, Galatians, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, Galatians for yeah. sure. They're fighting over the law. That's Absolutely. right. Absolutely, and so Absolutely. unity is not this like lovey-dovey liberal mindset, right? right. Uh, that it's like oh, because I, I think a lot of people hear ecumenical and what they think is like now we're going to start wearing like rainbow vestments, you know, and become <laughs> universalists. And it's like well, no, that's that's not at all. Uh, uh-uh. But but rather we know. I think part of maturing as a Christian is you know where to draw distinctions without drawing division. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can draw distinction about our views of baptism. We can draw distinction about our views of liturgy. We can draw distinction about our views of end times. And maybe we'll talk about this uh, in the members. We can draw distinction about our views of politics. Mm. But to divide over some of these things, really, I don't think it does anybody any favors. No. Um, well, I, I honestly think that from my, in my own experience, it has, it took me longer to come to the Reformed covenantal perspective because of the way in which I was groomed to be so f- divisive in my disagreement. Combative. Combative, combative thank yeah. you very combative. And it wasn't until the Lord really broke me down through different circumstances and, and just humiliated me theologically that I realized I don't know anything and I don't even know what I don't know. That's the scary part. Yeah. And I've learned that, um, you know, I have had some of the most God honoring, uh, encouraging conversations with men from all kinds of different backgrounds that, that I definitely disagree with. And in the end of it, I come out of loving Christ more, knowing my brother better. And in some ways, I shifted my thinking. And in other ways, it only confirmed that, no, the position that I'm holding is, is I think, the correct position. Again, now, all of these discussions are centered around not justification or not gospel issues, but we're talking secondary issues, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about church polity or uh, roles or how, you know, different things, how things function in times. Um, I've got a, I've got a pastor friend of mine that he is a dispensationalist and we talk about dispensational theology and in times, and they've always been great dialogues because he knows how not to be combative and I know how not to be combative. And we come together to understand each other. But really what we're trying to do is do I really understand scripture fully? Do I really, am I really embracing all of scripture as best as I know how? I honestly think he thinks he is. Yep. as a dispensationalist. And yep. I know, I honestly think I am. And yet we can still have community and union in our disagreement. Yeah. Well, and and here's <laughs> somebody is going to say, well, when I'm when I'm speaking, when I'm speaking the truth, and I'm using air quotes, hmm. when I'm speaking the truth, I am being loving, right? And and frankly, because you have Paul say, you know, if I if I speak in the tongues of heavenly beings, but I have not love, I'm, you know, I'm a I'm a banging symbol. And so, right. so quickly, often what combative mindsets will do or what they will say is, well, I'm, 
I'm speaking the truth. And if it sounds mean, it's not mean. It's it's loving. And I'm like, dude, sorry. That's <laughs> well. Just the not. phrase actually says, "Speaking the truth in, in love." Love, right? And and it's 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 kind of this nonsense that now certainly there's going to be some degrees where that actually is true, right? Yep. Where when when people say, "Well, you can't preach the exclusivity of Christ because that's not loving." Well, no, actually, that is loving. But when it comes to a lot of these secondary doctrines, when it comes to a lot of these secondary practices of of the church, and so like, well, I'm just speaking the truth, you know, it's like okay, well, that's kind of code for I'm just being a jerk, um, and that right. and I'm okay. They with They should it. be angry with what you said, not how you said it. It's, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. And so, well, John, I mean, I'm. I've, I've kind of, I've really enjoyed this conversation and, and yeah, frankly, I mean, where we're, where we're sitting right now, even in our, um, political climate, I, I guess one of the hot button issues right now is, you know, we don't even have to talk about baptism or vestments or liturgy or this or that. Like all you have to do is, is bring up the presidential election and people are going to flip. And so maybe in the members we talk about, yeah. how do we, how do we approach the idea of liberty of conscience? You know, what our, what our church confession, chapter 21, talks about. How do we approach liberty of conscience and politics? Uh, we, we've had some conversations about this. So maybe that's what, there you go. There's your bomb. I dropped it. Yeah, no, I think it's good. I appreciate it. I definitely, I preached a sermon just this last Sunday on, from John 18, when Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Hmm. He was unlocking more than people could even imagine. And uh, I definitely have some thoughts on that just about, I think, how modern Christianity has placed so much hope in the American government, thinking that God is using that to bring about his new kingdom. And yeah. shocker, shocker, Uh-oh. God, God doesn't use Babylon, Rome, or America to accomplish his good pleasure. So we'll definitely talk about that in the members. For those of you that don't know, if this is your new pod, uh, the newest time listening to Theocast, we have a membership. It's a way, really, it's our partnership. It's a way that people come and support us so that we can continue to create this podcast, books, new classes. We have several new classes on covenant theology and Calvinism, uh, a lot of extra material, reading material. So all of this is made uh, available because of our monthly supporters. You can go to theocast.org to learn more about that. For those of you who are members, buckle up. I know Jimmy's got some good stuff waiting for you. I can't wait to hear his thoughts. We'll see you over in the membership.